Welcome to Closers Over Coffee. I'm your host, Tommy Jacobs. We're podcasting worldwide from WPWK Studios at the Eclipse headquarters in beautiful Indianapolis, Indiana. The purpose and goal of the podcast is to create an open dialogue with professionals and leaders from all walks of life. Could be anywhere from CEOs, presidents, business leaders, sports professionals, friends, and some individuals we will meet for the first time together. This is episode number one, the inaugural Closers Over Coffee podcast. Before we get to our guest, we're going to have a segment that we're going to start with each podcast called On My Mind. So for our inaugural On My Mind segment, I would like to talk to you why I decided to do this podcast. It really comes down to where the world's at today, and we really believe that positivity is so important in the world and in the life. And today, we're starting this podcast to bring positivity to you, to talk about opportunities, to talk about someone that has been very successful in their life. And hopefully, through these podcasts, you take away one or two things that can maybe change your outlook, the way you think, or just put you in a better state of mind. And that's really what we're trying to accomplish is, is to give back. And I feel I've been very fortunate over the years and the people I've been able to surround myself with and to get some of those people and individuals on a podcast to talk about how they've been successful, why they've, you know, overcome so much and, and got to the spots they are. And if, if any of those little tidbits or, or things they discuss over this time just, just hits you in a way and gives you that opportunity to think back and maybe ponder on, you know, am I doing all I can to, to make sure I'm living the positive life I should be and, and what can I do to change and, and to be better. And I think that that's what this podcast is, is about. That's what we're trying to accomplish. And, and that's what the guests that I'm trying to, to create these conversations to, to, to give back in a positive way uh, just a little bit. And, and hopefully it, it'll help you change as well. So, you know, something to think about and consider as we welcome our guest and get into a deep dive today. Joining me today is Paul Jacobs. Yes, that is not a mistake. Paul Jacobs, which uh, if you heard earlier, I'm Tommy Jacobs. This is not just my, my boss. Uh, this is also uh, my father. And uh, also, he was my best man in my wedding. So he's, he's, he's my best friend as well. So it's going to be interesting. I'm so happy that he's able to join us for the very first one. And he, he actually is the CEO and president of Premium Audio Company, uh, which uh, Klipsch, Ankyo Pioneer, and several other great brands reside under. And he's, he's actually been here for, for almost 30 years. He started back in December of 1991. And uh, I actually remember that when he started. Um, and so uh, I'd like for all of you, please, to, to welcome with me Paul Jacobs to the podcast. Thanks very much, Tommy. Uh, it's quite a privilege to be uh, number one. You know me well enough to know that I always like to be number one. Um, as far as number two goes, I think that's fine because without number two, what would number one actually be? Um, I, was, I was thinking, um, you know, as we were kind of revving up for this, that the one thing about um, my being a guest that I'll have an advantage over anyone else is that 
while you may be probing me for a lot of things, see, I know things about you that your your guests might actually be interested in learning. And, you know, who knows what may come up while we talk today. So thank you very much. And I'm looking forward to it. I am so glad that Matt Summers is also with us here because it does seem like having a moderator during this will be needed. So Matt Summers, thank you for uh, being here with me and uh, being with us today. Roger, Roger. I got my finger on the volume knob. (laughs) (laughs) The good news is I know that anything on a podcast is a go. So uh, who knows what happens? I I would like to, you know, start before I, you know, I've got some questions that, that, that I think that our listeners will, will really enjoy and, and, and be some very valuable feedback and inspiration. But before that starts, I think that everyone should know that we just had a pretty uh, amazing road trip, uh, a 20 hour or plus drive to, uh, to Florida. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was the day after the election and we, we drove down together with a huge uh, suburban full of things to move. And uh, we, we had quite a drive and uh, we had to go down and up and down some mountains, and uh, and we uh, you know we finally landed in a in a beautiful place. Although the whole time we were there, we were also dodging a hurricane. So, uh, any comments uh, about our road trip that, that you think that uh, the listeners may uh, care about? It, it was a great trip, and and um, honestly, you know, for you and I to get to spend that kind of time together um, was really, you know, just found it kind of an exceptional experience. I think I told you on the way down that some years ago when I made enough money to buy airplane tickets, I had committed to never driving to Florida again. And um, <laughs> my wife started the the change in that, that she had fond memories of road trips. And I would say that, that the past three or four years, I've probably driven back and forth six or seven times. So that just shows you who's in charge of my family. And then I get a request from you <laughs> like I just can't get out from under these drives to Florida How, however I will say that stopping uh, in Atlanta and staying at the Waldorf having a nice dinner and uh, driving through the next day was far different than what the uh, the family straight through trips are so I enjoyed it it was actually quiet and peaceful and you had you and I had a lot of time to just get caught up on life and and also since the last time you and I went to Naples, Florida together in 2015, (laughs) and we literally turned the world upside down when we came back. There's been a lot of people waiting to see what the fallout from this last trip will be. And, and that, and we have yet to surprise them with that, but it's coming. That is, that is, that is true. I, I, we were, as we were smoking cigars that, that one night, uh, and we started talking and reminiscing about that trip, you know, you and I both made some, some pretty major personal and professional moves in our lives back then. And I felt like, there's a little reminiscence of that. And then I think that we, we started thinking about what the next five years could bring. And, and to me, that was made the trip really exciting because both personally and professionally, I think we, we talked through a, a lot of great stuff there. Absolutely. So uh, let, let's jump in here. And, and I think the listeners, although they love listening about me and you, I think that, you know, there's some things happen in the world and actually to, to the company that, that you're running that they, they would love to hear about. And, you know, during the pandemic, you know, there was lots of questions. And, uh, you know, during that, you know, you decided to change the Clips Group Inc. company name to, to the premium audio company, uh, you know, created and started a brand new from scratch distribution company. And, uh, you know, there there was uh, some other 
large decisions made. And, you know, what, what kind of made you decide to drive the company in that direction during, during this time? And, and if you could shed some light, we'd, we'd appreciate it. You know, early on in the pandemic, I was in a discussion with a longtime friend and, and customer, and um, they were talking about the new normal. And I said, I kind of have a, a different view of that. You know, and my view is that however this goes, ultimately it will bottom out and, and we'll find out what the new good is going to be. Because I don't think we have any idea what normal will be post this. Because I think that what happened during the pandemic, the speed at which it came on us and the magnitude of change in our lives that were kind of forced on us, um, some for good reasons, some maybe not, but regardless, they were forced on us, that it, it changed um, almost everything in the world. So when we start talking about the new good, what does that mean? Well, when you run a, when you run a business, there are things that uh, you can look back 10 years ago uh, when decisions made were made or 15 years ago or things that sort of become anchored in concrete simply because they were made for good reason then. When I started looking at where we were going as a company, one of the things that had bothered me for a long time was the fact that we own multiple brands, um, yet everything was under Klipsch Group Inc., which the the optics of that always said, well, Klipsch is most important and everything is subservient. And when you're out trying to build brands around the world, that is not the optics that you want because every brand that we have, we respect them, we cherish them, we protect them, we want to grow them. So in September, when we we uh, accepted the responsibility of turning around the uh, business in Germany with Magnat, Eco, and Mac Audio, um, which was was frankly not on my list of top priorities, but um, they were le- they were bleeding cash, and uh, we stepped in, and in about ninety days we had turned them profitable. So it kind of resurrected this old feeling I had that we needed to look at name changes. But as we got into the pandemic, and other opportunities came. This idea came about of forming um, a new kind of uh, trading company, which uh, we lovingly refer to as 11TC or 11 Trading Company. And at that point, it seemed that the opportunity then for us to really change the name and Klipsch becomes one of the brands and one of the companies uh, within the premium audio company portfolio. Uh, and that's really the reason that I, I had been waiting for the right time. I'm not going through a name change like this is, um, you know, it, it can be a little bit painful and you've got to explain it to everyone and you've got to put press out. And, you know, then some people get concerned about what does this mean? And it simply was, we did not believe that Klipsch Group Inc. properly reflected what we were trying to accomplish as an organization. And it certainly did not give the respect to the other brands that we are the stewards of um, that, that, that people perceived. And uh, we thought it was time for a change. And that time, uh, Strangely enough, was during a global pandemic, um, just like strangely enough, we felt it was a time for us to start 11 Trading Company. And a lot of that had to do with looking toward the future. Where are we going to go the next five years? Where are we going to go the next 10 years? And how do we make sure that we have a scalable, sustainable, repeatable business? And in, in my case, because I've been around for 30 years, um, I, I need to make sure that particularly the Klipsch brand, but the entire company, uh, and th- the next year will be the 75th anniversary of Klipsch. I want to make sure that there are 75 more years in it. And this was one of the moves that uh, I think, um, and we've, we've already seen it, will propel us into the uh, future. 
and make sure that we create uh, careers and opportunities and a clear path for our customer base on a global basis. Where do you see these, you know, these, there's several moves we just talked about with the distribution company and uh, 11 trading company happening and with premium audio company, the new parent name, where do you see these moves taking the company in the future? And, and, and do you think that uh, there's more moves that are going to happen uh, as far as acquisitions and, and distribution deals? I, I tend to be um, pretty pragmatic about things in front of me. I've been in the business long enough to know that um, we can all be distracted by the shiny new object. I think that we are not clear on, um, if you look at 18 months from now, what are consumers going to be doing? We, we were fortunate enough to be doing a lot of the right things to take advantage of business during the pandemic. But we don't know what that's going to be like as, as uh, people's minds change, as they become more accustomed to life like this. And so when you look at the moves that we've made, it was to help our business become more diversified on a global basis. Um, it allows us to move into alternative channels of distribution. Um, it allows us to leverage the current distribution channels we have by expanding our product portfolios. But I also think that particularly this coming year, we really have to digest all of what we have taken on. Uh, we suddenly find ourselves in the largest market in the world managing for receiver brands. That's not an insignificant task. When you look at our core businesses through any of the brands, um, technology is a driving force behind um, any of those, whether it's firmware development, appware, app development. And as we, as we continue to move forward, these are all things that are going to propel us um, for significant growth, uh, by the way. Um, as I said, in 2019, we're going to double the size of the business. I can assure you we will double the size of the business again. But we have to make sure that we put the proper processes in place. We've got the right expertise inside the company, that we are planning you know, our cash, that we understand inventory management, training, and most importantly, the way we treat our customers. And uh, so that's probably a long answer, but um, we could actually talk for two hours about this topic and nothing else. So with that, I'll just stop there and see what see what you have up next. No, no, I think it's it's great input and it's exciting. And I think anyone listening is 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 probably excited to see where we go from here. And you know, thinking about just as the company and how we've how we've changed this whole work from home has been interesting. And to see how the employees have adapted and and how they have really risen to the occasion in such a interesting and strange way. And we did it so fast. It was like a light switch. Uh, what are you, what are your thoughts on this work from home? And, and, you know, we're in the office, you know, a few, a few days a week now, but uh, some of us, and, uh, but, but I think it's been amazing to see the employees and I just getting your perspective of, of how we had to literally change overnight and, and what you've seen, what, what are your thoughts there? Well, I think that most of the people that work with me every day have known for, at least five years that I have been a proponent of work anywhere, anytime. And, um, you know, we're owned by a, a public company. And so just because it's my desire doesn't mean we get to do it. But my belief has always been twofold. One, when, when we expand where employees can live and work, as opposed to if you want to work for us, you have to move to Indianapolis. If you can work um, from where your lifestyle, where your family is happiest, we think that that opens up a portfolio of employees that we may never get otherwise. The second is, is that I think that 
this entire concept of work anywhere, anytime is that you put a lot of trust and faith in people. And my experience in life is that when you hire good people and you give them the tools that they need and you put trust and faith in them and and they know it, it's not often that people let you down. So when this came up, I was uh, I was not thrilled about a global pandemic. But I was thrilled about the opportunity to see how we would do when people are working from home. And I think that um, I couldn't imagine that any team on earth has performed better than our team. From day one, um, you know, I had used teams or, um, you know, a couple of other different ways to communicate, you know, previously, but I was not a big, I was never a big Skyper or, or Zoom or anything like that. So I had to get used to it, but the team adapted overnight. And you've heard me say before, one of the things I found was most interesting is on one hand, you're isolated from each other. And, you know, that and and there is a real impact of isolation. But I know more about the families of the team I work with every day than I ever did before. You know, every single person, including me, had that moment where your little child comes in and you're in the middle of a serious call and suddenly you've got somebody screaming or you've got a dog doing something. And and how many meetings have we had where uh, half the people on the call have got one of their kids sitting on their lap while we're, while we're Zooming or while we're on Teams? And I just think it's been, I think it's been an exceptional experience that we can draw a lot of knowledge from. I think that there are a lot of people that do want to be able to spend some time in more of a social work environment, which is fine in office setting. But I think the ability to pick and choose when you're doing that and when you when you're going to be home and i think it helps also with people's families so if you get back to what i was saying earlier about the quality of life there's a lot of people you have two income families and childcare is such you know a, a challenge and when we can give our employees the flexibility to help out during the work day um, to help their spouse, it creates a better quality of life. I think they have closer family relationships, and I think that I think they're more loyal to working for us when we know that in, in our company, uh, family is first. And I think that we've tried really hard through the pandemic to make sure people knew that family is first. Yeah, I think you're 100 percent right, and it's it's been amazing with with Charles, you know, just turning a year old, and without this, you know, you gotta you gotta find the light in all this stuff, and and without this happened. There's no chance I would have been able to spend the first year of his life the way I have and grown that bond, you know, and I will tell you that I think Casey was very happy that we were gone for a week because seven months of, of me every day, uh, um, I'm sure that it was a very pleasant week away and, and you're, <laughs> you, you know, you're, you're, uh, having a little bit of time away from, uh, the wife and the girls right now, because you've decided that it would be smart to buy, to, to buy a new house, sell, sell a house, buy another house. Uh, you, you've, 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 uh, you're, you're actually, I think living on the street still, aren't you? Are, you? are you in the new house yet? No, I don't know. Maybe I'll <laughs> sell it before we even move in. You know, if I, when I recap 2020 in my book someday, and I talk about the things that happened during a global pandemic that I didn't anticipate, well, for sure, starting uh, a new trading company unlike anything that exists today taking on four japanese receiver brands for all of the americas that was a surprise doubling the size of our business during a global pandemic well you know we thought it was going to take two years and it just took one year in a global pandemic to do that those were a surprise buying two houses uh during the pandemic was a surprise not planned and 
selling the house that we had custom built and moved in 14 months ago during the pandemic was also a surprise. And so right now I'm living in a small condo near the office and my wife and girls are living with her parents and on a horse ranch in Southern Indiana. And someday we'll all be back together again. <laughs> it's been a, it's been a roller coaster. Um, you know, what, when did you know that this is what you want to do for a living? Like, when was it that was like, this business is what I want to do the rest of my life? I mean, you've been here 30 years now. Um, you know, I know in, in, in the early part of your life, uh, you were in a band and, and you moved to California. And I know that there's a huge passion to do that. But wh- when was it like, this is what I want to do the rest of my life? Like, when was that moment? And, and walk us through it. I think that it's probably important to know, you know, one of the things you had talked about, so I'll just tell one of them is uh, what's something someone might not might not be aware of about me and it ties exactly into your question about how I knew what I wanted to do so I grew up in a family of type a personalities and unfortunately or fortunately um, I'm not I am uh, an incredibly introverted shy person and uh, most of my life I grew up believing there was something wrong with me because there was no one else in my family like me so everyone looked at me like you know what what's up and I was, I was a, really a pretty good athlete growing up, but my, my biggest challenge was that the stage fright of, of playing in front of people was overwhelming to me. And I didn't really get a whole lot of help at home on how to deal with it because I just thought something was wrong with me. But the first time I started playing music and the first time that um, I put on a guitar and I played in front of people, I no longer felt that feel. And as near as I can conclude... Um, that guitar was a shield against whatever it was I was afraid of. So I fell in love with music and it didn't hurt that being a super shy introvert, I didn't know how to talk to girls very well. And once I put on the guitar, that was also no longer an issue. So I fell in love with music for multiple reasons. One, I love music. (laughs) Two, I was no longer fearful in front of people. And three, (laughs) girls really like guys with long hair that play guitar. And uh, those were all really good reasons. So as I, you know, as I started searching for, you know, a career and I got into consumer electronics, um, I fell in love with the business because I also have Wonderlust, which is something that I don't even know if you're aware of that, but my entire life, um, I've planned to see the world. And when I got in this business and I found out that, you know, I could go see the world and I could work anywhere I wanted and I could see the places that most people only read about, um, it just propelled me into this. And of course, I've always owned hi-fi and listened to music, played music, um, traveled the world, you know, based on music. And when the opportunity to go to work for Klipsch came up, it was an interesting one because in those days, when I started in the early 90s, there was a pecking order uh, in the industry. And if you were in the speaker business, there was, these are the, this is how they stack up, you know, and maybe Klipsch was the number 11 brand. And, you know, you were just told to know your place, you know, this is how it works. And and Fred Klipsch, when he bought the company from uh, Paul Klipsch's cousin, he had a different idea. And he said, yeah, I don't care anything about that. Um, I think that this business is sleepy. Um, we think that they're, they're, the brands are, are, are underutilized and the opportunities are incredible. And we need some people that are not deep from the uh, uh, Klipsch world or the high-end audio world that have experience outside. And, of course, my background is I started – in retail before I came to this side of the business. And I worked for um, one of it, by the the time I was 25 years old, 
Um, I was the number 16 person in one of the largest, fastest growing superstore chains in the country. And I moved all over the country opening stores. And so I'm like, this seems like a great opportunity because it's about music. It's about an incredible company out of Hope, Arkansas that builds speakers that everyone reveres. And there's so much opportunity because nobody's even trying to grow the business. And the guy that owns it, he's willing to plow some money in and let's see what happens for me. And and that's, you know, how this thing Eclipse kind of wound up for me is that it, it fit into what I wanted to do with my life. It fit in with the passions that I have for for music and this industry and getting to travel. And, um, you know, I just feel blessed and fortunate that, that I was smart enough to walk through the door when it opened um, because I took about a 50% pay cut to come here, but that didn't last for very long. Within six months, I was making more money um, than I had uh, given up uh, when I came here. So it's uh, like, like any business, it's had ups and downs, but I would not change, I would not change uh, anything. You know, you know, speaking of this and the success you've had, I mean, what advice would you give someone that's wanting to enter the C business specifically, you, you know, that business really well, like what advice would you give someone that that's looking to maybe get in this business or maybe, maybe they just started in this business and, 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 and just kind of give some advice to, of what you would, you would do at that point, knowing what you know now. Probably the two biggest pieces of advice I would give is that you pay your dues. Um, I've seen a lot of people come in, particularly from other industries, and they're like, yeah, well, I, you know, I work for Microsoft or I work for Apple. I work for all these companies. And, you know, the, the audio industry particularly is a different kind of business. And it doesn't mean that what you've learned previously doesn't matter, but um, pay your dues, get out on the street, get face to face, belly to belly with people, um, spend the time to listen to music, understand what's really going on, understand your competitors. And it takes time to do those things. The problem with a lot of people is they get in and they think they're too smart for it. And, you know, if you if you're a, an experienced, experienced audio person on the consumer side or you're a reviewer or you're you're going into a premium audio store um, and you're talking to the owners um, or the top salespeople, they can smell when someone doesn't know what they're talking about. And I've seen a lot of people fail because they wanted to skip over paying your dues and really learning the stuff the right way. The second is make sure you have have a mentor. Um, you know, for me, I was fortunate enough to have a couple of people one in particular that taught me some really simple things early in my career that, um, you know, I've never forgotten. And, uh, you know, they taught me a few things that were, that has, they've always opened doors for me. Who was this? Was this Bill? Or Bill, who, Bill this? Lyons. You know, Bill Lyons was, uh, he was a hardcore sales guy. He could care less about audio or anything. But when I first left retail and I went to the repping side of the business, um, I was just trying to I was just trying to get in the door of being on the rep side of the business. And uh, but, you know, Bill told me the most simple thing that really changed my career. And it was so incredibly simple when he told me um, I I thought, well, this is this is stupid. Of course, everyone does this. And he just said, this is all you have to do. Just ask him what you have to do to do more business. And I said, well, Bill, I mean, everybody does that. He said. No, everybody doesn't. And uh, he had never been more correct. And I, I believe today, by the way, that we probably have some people working for us that don't ask that simple question sometimes. 
Um, and it was something that I practiced my entire life. When I met someone new, my very first question was, tell me what we have to do to do more business. And you know what happens 100% of the time? They will absolutely tell you the truth about what you have to do. And, um, you know, Bill taught me a lot of things, but that was, you know, I could go on about the lessons that I learned, but that was one that like this was so simple. And yet I found and, and customers would tell me that nobody else asked us this question. So think about that. Think about what I just told you. Nobody else asked us that question. And you got to ask yourself, why, why would they not? But that's the reason that in the fact is, is that in the end, maybe I wouldn't have either. Because when I thought about it, I said, well, this is so simple. Obviously, everyone does it. But but in reflection, I really had never done it either. I may have said a lot of words and I may have tried to get to the bottom of how I grow their business. But I didn't ask them the most simple question. Just tell me how. So that's why I think having mentors sometimes can give you a piece of sage advice that can sometimes it's complicated. Sometimes it's simple. But it's always nice when you know that that person that's giving you the advice or feedback is someone that they they worked their way up, they paid their dues, they've been they've been on that uh, same road that you've been on, and what they're doing is they're sharing their wisdom for you because they want to pay forward what someone did for them. And with most mentors, if you ask them, they'll tell you they had a mentor too, and one of their goals was is they want to share their experiences and they want to do for you. If, if they feel you deserve it, they want to do for you what someone did for them. If, if I remember right, Bill's also the, the mentor that uh, introduced you to fine dining. And he also told you that you didn't have to eat everything on your plate. Is this, is this the same mentor? Bill, early, early in my career, and uh, you, you would have been a very, very young boy at the time, this happened, but we went to Chicago for the summer CES, which used to be in Chicago every year. Obviously, the reason we were in Chicago. And um, this was when the original Morton's on Rush was the only Morton Steakhouse, and it was a pretty famous oh, place. So Bill takes me one night to Morton's, and I we were staying at the Ambassador East Hotel, and I had my first, and this was 32, 33 years ago. Um, and I remember having my first $20 bowl of oatmeal and for, you know, kind of a middle-class kid from, um, Franklin township outside of Indianapolis, eating a $20 bowl of oatmeal was quite something I'd never like my mom and dad would have, they would have lost their minds. And with Bill, it's like, no, you just Paul, when you're with me, we're on holiday. So he takes me to Morton's one night and they roll out the cart. And I see a baked potato the size of a watermelon, and I see a bunch of a spare uh, a broccoli that was the size of my head, and I see a steak that's the largest thing I've ever seen in my life. And Bill walks through and he orders for me, and this food comes, and it, you know it's on the way, and I'm completely freaked out. And I see what the cost is, and I told him, I said, Bill, I I could, I could never eat all of this food, and he just laughed. He said, Remember what I told you earlier? When you're with me, you're on holiday. He said, I. So don't worry about it. And he said, also, I'm going to tell you something. Your mom's been lying to you your entire life. And I said, what, what do you mean? You've never even met her. He goes, oh, <laughs> I know her. They're all the same. She told you you had to eat everything on your plate. Just remember, Paul, when you're with me, you just eat what you want, and that's good. And uh, so he, that was my first night with fine dining. And I, I called your mom at the time, and I'm like, hey, there's another side of life we haven't seen yet, <laughs> but you're going to like it a lot. <laughs> well, you know, it's amazing, man. We, so – 
I, I go back to the trailer. So, so when I was born, you know, you started out of a trailer. Sounds almost like a movie. And, uh, you know, we were there for three years and then we moved to, to countryside. I remember that house, you know, that, that was, that was really where I grew up. And I just always remember you were always going to look at, you, you always put this thing that whatever it was, it was either a house or maybe it was a car or maybe it was, it was something you wanted to accomplish. And I always remember you always would share, like, I remember when you wanted to get your first BMW and I remember these things that you always would do. And I remember the house when we were going to, you know, move to Eagle Village and it was like something out that just was probably impossible. That's not going to, and you always just, if, and you really inspired me to kind of just have this can do and no one's going to tell me I can't attitude. And, you know, as, 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 you know, you continue to learn and in order to stay on top of things within your role and you just keep growing. I mean, what, what is that? Like it's, I don't know that you can even say it's a word or a, but, but I just have remembered and kind of how I've gotten to where I'm at is I always remember you just always thinking about that next accomplishment or whatever it was going to be. And, and you just, you just get it done. And, and what, where do you think that came from? And I guess my, my, my other question would be is, you know, how do you continue to learn in order to stay, you know, on top of these things and continue to grow as, as a person? Like what, what is that? I'll kind of give you three parts. One, I'll tell you where it came from is I grew up and uh, my, my dad was one of the finest people that I've ever known. And I gave his eulogy when he passed away in 2005. And it was very easy to talk about what I saw in him growing up. But the one thing with, with he and my mom and, the, you know, earlier I was talking about there was a pecking order in the industry in the early days about, you know, if you were number 11, you just that was your place and you learned to be OK with it. And my mom and dad came up in a world where they just believed that, you know, we're going to be a blue collar family and um, we don't need to worry about college. That's for somebody else. You know, we need to get a union job and get good benefits. And that was it. And I watched through my whole life that they they held themselves back because that was they went into life with that mentality that this is this was our lot in life. This is where we're supposed to be. And we've. You know, my mom's lived in the same house for over 50 years and the idea of moving would never cross her mind. And so for me, I'm like, nobody's going to tell me I can't do more. I don't care where I came from. I got the opportunity to learn and grow and I'm going to keep doing that. And so that's where the inspiration came from, like f from the early ages. I can remember being seven or eight years old and getting odd jobs because I didn't want the Huffy bike. I wanted the Schwinn and I knew the only way I was going to get it is I had to go find the money to do it. And so my whole life, that's always been my approach is I got to figure out how to make more. Uh, and a lot of times it's not about selfish things for me. It could be something for my family or, you know, we've been building houses down in Haiti for, for over a decade, you know, and, and helping out. So the, the money was the money was always not about, you know, greed, because I would be the first to tell you I probably don't manage it particularly well. I've just always found a way to, you know, kind of look for what what is next and how do you drive yourself to the next level? And. I don't have a word for it, but I would, I would, uh, first I find it inspiring. And I find it that uh, over time, when you prove to yourself that you can do these things, then it's not a question anymore. Early on, you're like, I, I think I can do it. I wonder if I can do it. And, and now in my life, it's, mm, yeah, we're going to do this thing and um, I'll figure it out as I go. But I, I equate it to sharks. Sharks have to keep moving in the water or they die. 
And, you know, I, I told the story once somebody asked me what was my biggest fear. It may, it may have been you. And uh, I, I think it was. I think we were in Key West. You said, what's one of your biggest fears? And I said, one of my biggest fears is, and I, I said, have you ever seen one of your friends that you haven't seen in 10 years? And you look at them and you can't believe what's happened to them. It's like they've given up on life. And, you know, I, what I said to you that day was, do you think they got up one morning and decided, I'm just going to give up and I'm going to become everything I didn't want to be? Because I don't think it happens that way. I think it happens gradually. So one of my paranoias has always been, if I don't keep moving and if I don't keep looking at what's next, then maybe I wake up in 10 years and find out that I had inadvertently made that decision. And it's one of the things that drives me. Much like I said, you know, I, I look at myself and I, I look at, frankly, most human beings that are like sharks and that if you don't keep moving and if you don't stay inspired and if you don't look and challenge yourself for what's next, then what is there? And I just can't, I haven't reached a point in my life where I'm ready to stop that. It's what gets me up every single day and it's what gets me through the hard stuff. And that's, I, I remember that moment. I remember sitting at dinner and you know I asked you that question because the next morning we were going to jump out of a plane 12,000 feet in the air and and I, I had had done that once before and you were mad because you weren't on that jump with me. So you said, I'll do it, but I'm not doing it in Indiana. So you said you would buy the plane tickets if if I would do it in Key West. And of course, I'm, I'm, I'm buying you your jump out of the plane uh, yeah, trip to, and you're buying the plane tickets. So I was all in on that. And uh, I remember the night before we, we were going to go skydiving, I asked you, I, I, you know, I just feel like you're not fair, afraid of anything. And, and is there anything that scares you? And I, I remember that answer you told me. And it's something I think about because, uh, you know, me, I'm getting ready to hit 40 and I'm already looking at some of my friends and I see exactly what you were telling me back way back when, and and uh, just just interesting, man. That that you know how fast this goes because that seems like yesterday we did that. Remember, there was a second thing I told you that night that was really important, and and you couldn't you couldn't see it then, but I bet you can now because I told you there were two things. I said, no, Tom, I'm 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 afraid of stuff, and the first one was that one which is probably one of my biggest fears, but my single biggest fear in life. And I told you that night and I said, until you have a child, you won't understand this, but losing one of your children, mm. that's something that's always on your mind. Mm. Now you, yeah. you were, I don't know, 25 at the time or something. I don't remember exactly how long, but you did not have a child. You have a child now. Do you understand what I'm saying? What's saying that night? A thousand percent. I can't imagine. Can't yeah. imagine. And I, now, the night after we went skydiving, we went to listen to some blues. We were sipping some Jack Daniels at the Green Parrot. And I mm. looked at you about halfway through the night and I said, hey, you remember last night I told you there were <laughs> two things that I'm afraid of? Yeah, yeah. I go, let me tell you what the third one is. Uh, free falling out of a plane for a mile <laughs> over the ocean. <laughs> it's not, it's not like riding a roller coaster, which is what I thought it was going to be like. <laughs> no, I, I remember that, man. And and that's, as you know, introduced me to my favorite place in the world, Key West, Florida. You know, as we as as we wrap up, you know, something that we want to really move into this, you know, Closers Over Coffee podcast is at the end, we want really each of our guests to, to really choose a charity that means a lot to them that, you know, I'd ask all the listeners if if they've got it in them and, and they have the ability to, to really donate. And, and if you don't mind, I'd like you to, to talk about the charity of, of your choice today. And, and for all you listeners that, you know, please listen in. And if you've got it, please, please give. And so with that, what, what charity would you like 
uh, all the listeners to really uh, get behind today? The charity that I've been involved with for a long time is called Food for the Poor. Um, yes, it, they do they do feed uh, underprivileged families and children. Um, you know, they they're all over Central America. Um, in Haiti is where I've, I've personally gone and, and built homes and dug tilapia ponds and taught some business to people. But they, the, the charity is 97% of everything they take in goes to the people that need help. So whether they're, they're providing school clothes, um, whether they're providing books, whether they're providing food, whether they're helping a family get off of City Soleil, which is a trash dump with a million people living on it and they give them a home um, some some livestock and some grain to start a new life whether they teach a village how to raise tilapia to raise money for the village or whether they're they're running a soup kitchen where you're serving rice to hungry people um, i've just found it to be a great organization that uh, is not overly bureaucratic, that gives the money to the people that need it most. And so I would, if, if you're not familiar with it, I highly recommend that you look at it. That's great. Food for the poor. Uh, we'll share that uh, on the podcast for everyone to know where to go and to, uh, to participate in that charity. Again, the purpose and the goal of the podcast is to create a, a real open dialogue uh, with people like Paul and, and really drive positivity, talk about opportunity, and, and, and I think that's what we need in this world today. And, and that's the reason we're doing it. I appreciate everyone listening in. I look forward to many more podcasts with you. And uh, Paul, thank you for joining us today. Matt Summers, thank you for being just an amazing moderator and putting this together. And I would like to thank all the listeners for listening to Closers Over Coffee. I'm Tommy Jacobs.